This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Good Saturday morning, Dick Donahue with you live here on KGMI. Actually, live sitting in the hotel room in Spokane on my way to the Apple Cup. Thought I'd be sitting in the parking garage today, but they made the game at seven thirty tonight. So up here, going to pick up daughter Stacy about quarter one, head down to the game. Anyway, let's get going with today's Wealth Wake Up Show. A couple of things: I am a wealth advisor and. Uh, Investors, we talk about indexes, can't directly invest in those indices. The performance of any index is not indicated with the performance of any investment. does not take into account the effects of inflation, fees, and expenses associated with investing. And the S&P 500, which we also mentioned, is a capitalization-weighted index of 500 stocks designed to measure performance of the broad domestic economy changes in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks representing all major indices. And finally, converting from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is a taxable event. We do talk about that quite a bit at times on our show. So let's get going with the weekly wrap-up for the week ending yesterday. It was another winning week for the stock market amid thinner holiday trading conditions. The gains were consistent with the seasonal bias, considering that the market normally trades with a positive disposition during Thanksgiving week. The seasonality helped to offset the market's ongoing growth concerns, which were put on the back burner this week despite more news about China's COVID-related measures. China confirmed its first COVID-related deaths in six months, and new lockdown measures have been reportedly brought into Beijing to a near standstill. Aside from the seasonality factor, the upside bias was fueled by better-than-expected earnings reports from retail issues like Best Buy, Abercrombie & Finch, along with some names from the tech space like Analog Devices and Dell Technologies. Also, farm equipment company Deere was among the more notable earnings-driven winners. Another individual winner this week was Disney, which traded up on the news that Bob Kekic is stepping down as CEO and former CEO Bob Iger is coming back to run things on it for a two-year stint. And movement in the Treasury market was generally supportive of the stock market this week. The 10-year yield fell 13 basis points to 3.69%. The two-year note fell two basis points to 4.48%. In case you didn't figure that out in your head real quick, that's a 0.89% difference between the two-year and the 10-year Market participants also had a slew of economic data to digest this week. Some reports, like October durable goods orders, October new home sales, and November, the University of Michigan Index of Consumer Sentiment, were better than expected, but others, like the weekly initial claims and preliminary November IHS market manufacturing and service PMIs, were worse than expected. The Federal Open Market, this is the Fed Minutes, for the November 1st and 2nd meeting revealed a substantial majority of participants judged that a slowing in the pace of the increase would likely soon be appropriate. This corroborated the market's notion that the Fed is likely to raise rates by 50 basis points, that would be a half a percent, this this meeting here in December, versus a 75 basis point hike that they've been raising earlier. And all 11 sectors of the S&P closed this week with a gain. The material sector was up 3%, utilities up 2.9%. They sat atop the leaderboard, while energy was up two-tenths of 1%, showed the slimmest gain as market participants continued to deal with growth concerns. So year-to-date, as of yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is now down 5.5%. NASDAQ is down 28.2%. The S&P 500 is still down 15.5%. And the Russell 2000 is down 16.8%. So let's put 
to the different sectors of the market. I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of the S&P 500's indexes and talk a little bit about dividend yield because on the dividend side of the spectrum, what we call the value side, uh, those are typically your dividend-paying stocks. And for the year ended uh, 2021, the end of the year with a dividend yield of 1.26% on the S&P 500 index, which is well below its long-term average of 1.97%, and that was between 1990 and 2021. So once again, the dividend yield at the end of 21 was 1.26%. The average from 1990 through 2021 was actually almost 2%. And the average dividend yield, again, of 1.97%, failed to keep pace with a 2.4% average rate of consumer price index increases over that period of time. So, again, the yields didn't quite keep up with the cost of living. The yields are up across the board so far this year. The dividend yield in the S&P 500 index increased by 0.43, or that's 43 basis points, to 1.69% so far this year, and that's through November 21st, which is still a little bit below the average. And like stock dividends, bond yields have increased significantly this year. The one category of the bond market that equity investors likely track the most are treasuries. But you got to keep in mind that bonds have a different risk-reward incentive than stocks. And the yield of the benchmark 10-year treasury note, or T-note as we know it, increased by 232 basis points. That would be 2.32% to a 3.83% year-to-date. And while up dramatically, it sits below its long-term average of 4.12%, again, between 1990 and 2021. So for comparative purposes, there have only been three times in in this millennium, 2008, 11, and 20, where the yield of the S&P 500 index exceeded that of the 10-year Treasury note year-end, with the most recent being in 2020. Historically, higher bond yields climb, the more competitive that they become, the traditional stock market returns. So with more rents and interest rate hikes expected from the Federal Reserve, there's a potential for bond yields to trend higher. The November survey of 13 equity strategies revealed that the average 2023 year-end price target for the S&P 500 index was 3.931% or 3.931, that's not a percent, that's the level of the index. That's essentially unchanged from the present level of 3,949.94, which was the closing price on November 21st. So basically, analysts are expecting the market to remain relatively flat for the remainder of the year. And for those investors who are desiring a higher level of income from dividend-paying stocks is currently offered by the broader market S&P, there are a plethora of higher yielding opportunities to consider, many packaged products, some in the mutual fund industry, also what we call exchange-traded funds or unit investment trusts, as well as closed-end funds. So there are a number of sectors of the area of the market out there where you can get a higher yield than what we're seeing right now on those dividend stocks. But it's interesting to follow that. Later on today, I'm going to spend some time talking about what we're seeing as far as value stocks versus growth. And we're seeing some interesting statistics. So actually, when we come back from this next break there, we're going to go ahead and cover that area. This is Dick Donahue with you. Welcome to live here on KGMI this Saturday morning. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for being with us. I recently brought in my car for some long overdue repairs, something we can all probably relate too well with over this past year and a half. I was terrified about cost. But luckily, the guys at Bellingham and Burlington Automotive prioritized repairs that couldn't wait and helped me decide what could. What a relief. Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. Professional ASE certified techs and expertise in foreign and domestic vehicles. Learn more at BellinghamAutomotive.com or BurlingtonAutomotive.com. Hey, how was the grocery store? Everything is getting more and more expensive. I know. I stopped to get gas today and the price has gone back up. We need to talk about the budget again. The cold weather is here and we're going to need a new furnace or maybe a heat pump. I'm not sure which. Well, I was talking to Joe and he recommended Linden Sheet Metal. They had a new heat pump put in. The guys that came out to install it were professional and the heat pump works great. 
He also said there's up to $2,400 in rebates that we can tap into. That sounds great. Rebates and energy savings with a new furnace or heat pump? Let's call Linden Sheet Metal and make an appointment. Call Linden Sheet Metal today and talk to us about staying warm this winter. Because in a world where it seems everything is more expensive, there are ways to save on installation and monthly utility bills. And we can also help with low monthly payments. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, stayed home, did the same old things. Does this conversation sound familiar? KGMI's Lifestyle Lookout covers events happening each weekend that you may or may not be aware of. Don't get caught in the same old conversation on Monday morning. KGMI's Lifestyle Lookout is brought to you by Labels Consignment. Find quality and current women's clothing, shoes, home decor, and more at Labels on Northwest Avenue and Jane Street. Lifestyle Lookout airs every Friday on the KGMI Morning News. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up. Welcome back. Saturday morning. And we're asset advisors. We're located up on the Pacific Highway out next to Wilson's Furniture and Pacific Commerce Center. That address is 5060 Pacific Highway Suite 101, Ferndale 98248. Our uh, website, uh, check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. And just for clarity, we are one of the parts of Wealth Partners. Okay, well, I mentioned at the end of the first segment that we were going to talk a little bit about growth versus value. I'll give you a little insight into what some of the things that we're seeing. And basically, conventional investing wisdom could be wrong, but will disruptors be disrupted? So is the stock market in only the early stages of a dramatic transition from growth to value? When we say that growth to value, well, what we're seeing this year is the fact that we're seeing the dividend-paying stocks substantially outperform growth. That's the first time in, oh, the better part of 10 or 15 years. You go back 20 years, you'll find that value also did very well. So the current century is only two decades old, but already it's been an extraordinary one. For investors, it's been characterized by four bear markets and a series of asset bubbles. And most major markets are in bear territory largely because of multiple compressions. On average, the multiples around the world are down 21% this year. But the reason for this decline hasn't been earnings. Today, multiples are below their 20-year averages. For two decades, inflation is barely on investor radar screens. Now it seems inflation matters. It's the only thing that really matters. Bear markets? are a lot like Leo Tolstoy's unhappy families. No two are alike. And much of the conventional wisdom surrounding today's stock market argues whether accepted truths may or not may not may or may not work this time. Fundamentals have improved for value relative to the growth, but investors are trained to believe, for example, that banks are going to underperform during the recession. However, we're finding today that banks have much higher lending standards, and they have far more capital strength. Therefore, they've done quite well. And conventional wisdom also holds that consumer staple stocks are the place to be, and many have outperformed this year. But that pricing power is unevenly distributed, and some consumer staple companies are confronted with intense input and in a lot of cost inflation costs. Another popular belief is that European equity should be avoided, but that ignores a compelling reality that many European countries simply are far more competitive than many investors believe. And then finally, we find ourselves questioning whether the last day of say a decade's disruptors might become the current decade's disrupted as tech companies enter into each other's primary market to take shares away from one another. When the financial crisis began 15 years ago, back in 2007 and 8, digital advertising was dominated by Google, now Alphabet. But online advertising accounted for only a fraction of all advertising 
and Alphabet was able to enjoy secular growth. But today, digital advertising is 65% of all advertising, which historically has been a cyclical business. To some extent, this makes Alphabet a victim of its own success, as cyclical companies typically command lower price earnings multiples than those of steadier revenue streams. Similarly, Facebook was a huge beneficiary of the network effect, but just as networks can grow in the exponential fashion, when the growth slows and usage begins to decline, the fall off in online interactions can be equally powerful. So, you know, we are almost to see basically leadership flip on its head this last year, and still robust expectations have been placed on growth relative to value. So, balance the risk against potential wards, or at the very least, it suggests that the caution may be warranted. So, those people that have been really watching and buying growth stocks for the last seven years may want to sit back and take another look at those dividend paying stocks. It may be a very good time to be doing so. Uh, we're also finding a number of interesting surveys and things that we'd like to follow out there. We're finding that our Americans right now are nervous about their financial futures than ever before. That more than half of Americans nationwide say that they're nervous about their financial future, according to a new recent survey. And some two-thirds of the report that they're currently in debt, with credit card debt being the top reason of those in debt, 58% say their debts are preventing them from reaching their financial goals. And these are among the findings, basically, of the most recent Wealth Watch survey conducted between October 13th and 15th of about 4,400 adults across the country. Consumers are continuing to grapple with inflation and how to factor rising prices into their budgets and long-term financial strategies. We're still, we've seen a quarter of those with debt less able to manage their debt than their peers, and 28% say that they're contributing less each month towards paying off their debts than they did a year ago. There's also generational differences. Younger people are more likely to be in debt than their older counterparts. Some 73% of millennials born between 1981 and 96, and 71% of Gen X born between 65 and 80 have debts. These groups also most likely are most likely to feel that they cannot manage their debt. Overall, there's 36% of respondents in that survey that have taken on additional debt in the last year. And debt has become more expensive, of course, with rising interest rates. Not surprisingly, only 89% of those that have taken on more debt say that rising interest rates are having an impact on their longer-term financial goals. So given the current macroeconomic environment, with high inflation, recessionary winds looming, people are wondering how they can leverage their investments to stay on track of their financial goals. Indeed, we're finding that 41% of those who invested in the stock market say that they've reduced their equity allocations in the past six months. In reaction to market volatility and rising interest rates, in total, 30% of investors in stocks and bonds and other securities made changes in portfolios in the last six months, 37% of move money into cash. Now, having been in the industry as long as I have, I have to tell you that we're finding that this close call market time traditionally doesn't work. And when people think that they're least likely or it's worst time to be there, for example, this year we saw a horrible month in the month of September. But what have we had since then? We've had basically a very strong market recovery. So basically, sticking with it sometimes is I think that you're going to be your best way to go. We're also finding that the youngest adults, those born between 1997 and 2012, known as Generation Z, who were the group that were most likely to look to social media for financial guidance. And some 40% of them list social media as their top source of financial information. And the younger generations are increasingly turning to global digital tools or social media when seeking financial advice, guidance from a trusted financial professional, is still playing a role, particularly with those that are invested in the market. So, again, being somebody in that industry, I'm telling you to check and seek out some advice. And then also we're finding that a lot of employees are, playing, are, are looking at financial stress. They're saying that, uh, that uh, they want more help dealing with it. The majority of workers still want their employers to provide. 
provide them more financial wellness benefits so they can do a better job in their job. This is according to another survey. Stresses or finance or hurting employees' performances. Uh, we found this according to a recent study which sponsors of 2,005 people under the age of 65. 87% of working Americans reported feeling stressed about their finances. Nearly one-third reported spending a half an hour or more a week thinking about their finances. In addition, 7 out of 10 said that they would perform better at work if the employer offered more financial wellness benefits. The survey also revealed that nearly three-quarters of working adults sense that their co-workers are stressed about their finances. They also said that inflation which is contributing to financial stress, is causing Americans to question their financial future at the same time that workers are contributing less to the retirement plan. In fact, they said 58% of working adults are contributing less to retirement plans. Again, the wrong thing to do at a time like this. Nearly half those surveyed say they are unsure how much money they need to retire comfortably. More than half baby boomers, 80% of millennials, 72% of Gen Zers believe they need to pay off all their debt before they can focus on savings. And two-thirds of respondents said they know someone who delayed retirement because they have not had it saved enough. 58% of men and nearly half of women report their employer-sponsored plan, uh, retirement plans are not adequate. Now, again, having been in this industry for a long time, I will tell you that most employer plans are adequate. You need to take advantage of them. You need dollar cost average. The younger you are when you're putting money away, the more time that you have to get that money invested, the longer off, the better off you're going to be. So put away a little bit, increase it on a consistent basis. Every six months, try to increase the amount by, say, 1%. You're going to find that you're going to be all okay. You're going to be in great shape. This is Dick Donahue with you with both of Live here in KGMI. We'll be back after a quick break. Thank you for being with us. For All is now open. It's also a place to find a wonderful selection of precious metals, gold and silver, American Eagles, 100-ounce silver bars, as well as a selection of platinum bars and coins. John is there to help with large inventory and great prices. Hi, I'm John Nieder. I'm proud to present my new store in Squalicum Harbor. Come in and see our high-end collection of jewelry, watches, rings, and more. I'd be happy to advise you on your precious metals purchase. You'll be dazzled by what you find. Clients receive valuable personalized service focused on fulfilling their needs. You'll be amazed at their extensive collection of jewelry and Rolex watches. Visit John today. He's there to assist in your purchase. And don't forget your loved ones, Neater House of Luxury. Find jewelry for the refined buyer online at Neater House of Luxury and at 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107. Follow the bright light. Hello, folks. Are you ready to get your estate planning affairs in order, but you don't know where to start? Would you like to hear about the difference between wills and trusts? Do you want to learn how to avoid probate? Do you have questions about Social Security and Medicare? Is it important to you to make life as easy as possible on your spouse and loved ones if something should happen to you? This is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham. Join me right here on KGMI every Saturday at 1 p.m. for the Aging Hour, and let me show you how to set your family up for success in your retirement. COVID-19 has tested our communities in unthinkable ways. In the face of crisis, Puget Sound Energy has given over $18 million in bill assistance to customers impacted by the pandemic, and together with PSE Foundation, gave $4 million in community for COVID relief. All the while, PSE continues to lead on clean energy, with a goal to reach beyond net zero carbon emissions by 2045. It's part of our commitment to doing what's right for customers and communities. Together, we're creating a clean energy future for all. Learn more at psc.com together. KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. I happen to believe that the Bellingham, Whatcom County, uh, the Fraser River Delta, Nooksack, Skagit is an enormous healing area. Each weekday at 4 p.m. I'm the old dog. When I walk down railroads, I'm the one who knows who just got here and who didn't. I see them, they're so angry from where they came from, and then through the years, they mellow out because there's a healing energy here. On KGMI 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net. 
to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. Time to hit up the mom and pop stores today on this Small Business Saturday. Greg Holden owns one in Bridgeport, West Virginia. Everybody used to shop the small shops and then all the big box stores come and we're trying to get people to come back to the small shops. Ukraine has been hit hard by Russian missile strikes and millions are without heat, water and electricity. President Zelensky in his nightly address through an interpreter. Electricity is available. It doesn't mean you can switch on several power hungry electric appliances at once. He denounced Russia for crimes against humanity. The flu, RSV, and COVID, they are all around and could spread even more through the holiday season. CBS's Rick Selinger. Getting vaccinated is our best tool. Seeing people wearing masks is getting less common. But doctors and health officials warn it's not time to let your guard down, even though we are more protected. CBS News Brief. I'm Stacey Lynn. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to World Wake Up Live Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning You know question came up here recently some stuff I was looking at the question about whether or not we're measuring housing inflation the right or wrong way because housing inflation is big part of the consumer price index and the other unifying framework that the u.s bureau of labor statistics follows in designing the consumer price index according to their handbook of methods involves attempting to answer that question about have they been measuring housing inflation wrong so what is the cost at this month's market prices of achieving the standard of living actually attained in the base period yes a little weird. 24% of the latest CPI, which is the main U.S. measure of inflation, consists not of market prices, but of the implicit rent that owner occupants would have to pay if they're renting their houses. It's says owner occupants would have to pay. That's your house. What rent would you have to pay if you were renting your home? Well, this owner's equivalent rent tends to make non-economics economists heads explode generating frequent criticism from investors and others. There's no sign it's going anywhere. From 1953 to 1982, the Bureau of Labor Statistics used a different measure based on mainly on the price of new homes and monthly mortgage payments before abandoning it in the face of theory-based critiques in economists and practical concerns about how much volatility it added to the CPI. So, yes, the owner's equivalent rent is weird. But that doesn't seem to be, obviously, any better alternative. There's some important questions that are being raised at the moment, though, about how BLS measures the rent from which owner's equivalent rent is derived. Contrary to widely held belief, this is not done by asking homeowners how much they think their house is rent for. That question is, in fact, asked, but is used to determine the weighting that the owner's equivalent rent is given on similar uh, on the CPI, currently the 24% that we mentioned before. The monthly changes that determine inflation rate are estimated from changes in rents or similar dwellings and changes in rents that are measured by asking thousands of American renters how much they're paying. So the 7.4% of CPI that is actually rent is also measured in this survey. But does this truly represent market prices? That is, if you're a two-year lease or you're in a long-term renter with good relationship with the landlord, does that change or lack of it in your rent accurately reflect what's going on with the cost of housing? Probably not. Marginal rents reflect market turning points sooner and show a larger post-housing bubble decline in rents. In addition, marginal rents are shown to forecast overall inflation better than average rents. So the experience of past couple of years has done a lot to reinforce this view. For example, Zillow publishes a monthly rate index that measures changes in asking rents for apartments and houses. There's also done by apartment list and also core logic. 
And so, but basically, Zillow shows that rent inflation accelerating rapidly during the first eight months of last year, but decelerating since, while CPI shelter inflation increased only slowly last year and kept rising this year. So basically, the statistics the BLS is using are are going up same, or they're not working in sync. Let's put it that way. So last month, the BLS received released a working paper by two of its economists and two of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland that more or less endorsed this approach. The authors assembled their own red indexes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, rent microdata, and found that rent inflation for for new tenants leads to the official BLS rent inflation by four quarters. As rent is this largest component of the consumer price index, it has implications on our understanding of the aggregate inflation dynamics and guiding monetary policy, according to their statement. So the most important of these implications would seem to be that the Federal Reserve Policymaking Committee is behind the curve when it began raising rates in March. In other words, a year after rents on new leases started exploding, and they could end up late, late again, pivoting to easier money policy long after rents have started to fall. So Fed officials can, of course, see what's going on with the private rent agencies. And while CoreLogix most closely approximate the movements of the new tenant index presented in this BLS paper, they can even look at adjusted measure of CPI minus food and energy known as core CPI. So a lot of discussion about this one. And still one has to think that monetary policymakers should pay closer attention to these measures. We're part of the official inflation statistics. The October BLS paper seemed to represent a trial balloon on that. Basically, the CPI is used by many other purposes besides uh, shaping monetary policy, including setting Social Security benefit levels and tax brackets. In the early 1980s, the need to keep inflation adjustments from jumping around too much, was cited frequently as the reason they made the change in the nature of housing costs. So once again, it's one of those things that's under examination because we're seeing a lot of volatility in that area. And speaking of volatility, we're also seeing that lawmakers and FINRA, which is the uh, uh, regulatory body that oversees the securities industry, are going to increase their, their scrutiny of cryptocurrencies and the regular they're basically FINRA has launched an exam suite that brokerages communications with customers on digital assets. So basically Washington is looking more closely at cryptocurrency and potential investor harm in the wake of the recent collapse of the FTX cryptocurrency exchange. The in fact tomorrow's show I uh, pre record Sunday's show ahead of time. I did a piece in there about people that may have been invested in FTX thinking that they may be able to take it as a tax write-off. IRS probably is not going to allow that. So listen tomorrow's show. You might find that piece interesting. Anyway, the House Financial Services Committee announced on Wednesday that it's going to hold a bipartisan hearing this next month to delve into the details of the FTX bankruptcy, which is shaping the cryptocurrency market. Meanwhile, FINRA earlier this week launched a targeted examination of how member brokerage firms communicate with the customers about crypto assets. So the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority said the timing of its sweep was unrelated to the implosion of FTX, which is the second largest crypto marketplace. Nonetheless, business concerns about cryptocurrency are shared by other regulators who are likely to boost oversight of digital assets. Fender said that investor harm could increase as cryptocurrency market and investor demand grow. The regulators worried about the potential for misrepresentations of exaggerated claims where brokers that pitch crypto investors to retail investors. So it's a concern about how that's being done. And they said the risk is not hypothetical. They said the limited number of crypto assets related communications filed with Fender by broker dealers fails to comply with uh, applicable standards of extremely higher rate the communication for other products. In other words, the information you're seeing come from the broker-dealer community is not in sync with what the requirements are and what we're forced to do as far as other products. So it's rather interesting. And so they basically have said that in order to develop a better understanding of industry practices in this area, FINRA has decided to conduct the suite and assess a set of firms' crypto asset-related communications during the 
negotiations with retail investors between July 1st and September 30th. The regulator is probing whether each was filed with Finder's advertising department and received approval from the firm's principal. It's also reviewing written supervision procedures related to developing and disseminating crypto recommendations. So rather interestingly, we are not in that market. It's our firms. We have not done anything in that area. There are some firms we're seeing out there that have, but there's also questions about how much disclosures are doing. And the Finder advertising rule brokers to be fair and accurate and avoid misleading customers with with uh, touting products this week could turn up a lot of violations. That's one of the concerns right now in some of those in the industry. And the legislative side of the crypto oversight is still developing. Highest Financial Services Committee Chairman Maxine Waters, Ranking Member Patrick Henry of Texas, haven't agreed on the digital assets bill, but they both expressed anger about the FTX uh, collapse said they would question the exchange's founder and former chief executive Samuel Bankman-Fried, among others, at their December hearing. So we're going to continue to hear and see some of the news in the market about this, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where a call comes out. But, uh, we're following it because we think it's kind of interesting to see what's happening with some of these uh, alternatives, so to speak, out there that may or may not be doing everything that everybody expects them to. This is Dick Down. If you wish you would wake up live here in Kate Shemai, we'll be back after a quick break. Thanks for being here. DeWard and Bodie's Black Friday sale is on now and all weekend with doorbuster deals and the lowest prices of the year on appliances, barbecues, mattresses, and more. Now through Monday, DeWard and Bodie will pay your sales tax on select in-stock cooking and cleaning appliances. Get Black Friday pricing all weekend long on the best selection of ranges, wall ovens, cooktops, and dishwashers. And DeWard and Bodie will pay your sales tax on qualifying orders. Plus, get a $50 Hagen gift card with purchase of select Whirlpool KitchenAid, and Amana range and microwave bundles while supplies last. But that's not all. DeWard and Bodie is offering installation rebates up to $150 on select Bosch dishwashers and up to $250 on select Bosch refrigerators, ranges, wall ovens, and cooktops. Don't miss these limited time offers combined with special no-interest financing for up to two full years on qualifying orders. Shop the biggest sale of the season all weekend at DeWard and Bodie's Black Friday sale. Financing OAC offer qualifications apply. Want to win big? We're celebrating 50 years at Barron. Hi, I'm John Barron, owner of Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. And I'm Brad Barron, fourth generation here at Barron. I'll never forget the tools in Dad's garage and the paperwork on Mom's table as our home became the beginnings of Barron Heating. Our humble start grew into the Barron of today, serving five counties and providing careers for over 200 families. Since 1972, customers have been the heart of our business. And today, those family values are put into every job we do. We we love this community and want to celebrate with savings on solar, generators, plumbing, air duct cleaning, and more. Plus, save 20% on services like annual maintenance as a Silver Shield member. And five people will win 5,000 Baron bucks towards any Baron service or installation. Book through November 30th to be entered to win. From all of us at Baron, thank you. We look forward to serving you for the next 50 years. Baron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. Our mission, improving lives. No purchase necessary. Visit BaronHeating.com for details. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. The Donahue with you this Saturday morning here in KGMI. As always, we thank you for being with us. If you have questions for us, you can always give us a call, 360-733-1200, and uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about something that's uh, kind of touchy, but uh, something that's very real out there, out there, and that's how your adult children can stop relying on you financially. You know, giving a hand to your adult children might look as simple as covering their home bill, though it may be as significant as contributing to a down payment on a house. And as children transition into adulthood, many clients may be hard-pressed to find a parent who loses the desire to support their kids both emotionally and financially. And this is why it may be hard to wean your adult children off of your bank account. You know, if you're helping your kids out into adulthood, you're not alone. According to a 2018 Pew Research Center report, it found that only 24% of young adults were financially independent 
at age 22 or younger. Now, that compares to 32% back in 1980. So obviously, it's become much more difficult for younger generation to get going. And while one considers parental financial support a hindrance to one's ability to become fully self-sufficient, there's another grave side effect, and that's your retire your shrinking retirement savings. So how can you bring an end to financially supporting your adult children? How can you ease the process with, we'll help you out with maybe four suggestions. One is be transparent in your communications. When letting your children know that you're no longer going to pay their phone bill, help them out with groceries, or give them a hefty Christmas wad, make sure to explain why. Remind them that this is not about your lack of care or love, but rather it is for their long-term benefit and ability to provide themselves long after you're gone. Let them know that it may affect your ability to retire comfortably and cover potential health costs in the future. By appealing to their compassion and treating them as fellow adults, you can actually give them a sense of empowerment to your children. Secondly, give your children an adequate timeline. If your kids are used to a monthly check, phone support, or even one-off amounts of money when in need, it can be a shock to be immediately cut off from their financial supply. Giving your children time to organize their finances and emotionally prepare to fully support themselves is one way to lead them towards successful financial independence. In addition, giving them a timeline creates an objective boundary that might be hard to set otherwise. If you wait until your kids can handle it or until you feel ready, the time may never come. Choosing a date and sticking to it puts the decision in stone and makes it easier to follow through on. Third, let's provide the tools to succeed. Educating your adult children on best practices for managing their money can increase their confidence while giving them the means to budget and spend and save properly. You can give them advice on your own point of view towards a financial advisor, which has various benefits. If it's your financial advisor, he or she can help explain. Your financial support can be detrimental to your retirement and well-being, which can give your kids more clarity on what the situation actually is. So having an objective perspective can take the emotion out of the decision, making it more of a logical step. A financial planner can also assist your kids in organizing their finances and give them a head start on becoming financially literate. You can also support Fourth, finally, your adult children in other ways. Let your adult children know that you're not completely cutting the cord, removing the parent-child relationship. You can continue to offer support in ways that are not financial. For example, you can still provide emotional support when needed and offer advice if they ask for it. Ask them how you can help in a way that doesn't offer financial support. You can help them strategize new ways to make or save money or help them apply for new jobs. And don't push the offer to help if they refuse. Let them experience their new independence and learn for themselves what they need to do. And finally, prepare to feel self-responsible or still responsible. As you put a stop to financially supporting your kids, you may feel uh, twinges of desire to help them out. The first step towards dealing with these emotions is to expect that they may come up. But prepare yourself to avoid reacting. Even if your adult child struggles trying to figure out how to afford certain expenses, it is ultimately this difficulty that can lead to growth on their end. When they face financial realities, it will largely motivate your children to prepare, save, and budget more diligently. And putting an end to financially supporting your adult child isn't easy, especially with regard to current financial hardships. But 54% of young adults dealing with college debt, it can be emotionally difficult not to offer assistance if your kids are struggling. However, by easing your adult children into independence and preparing them with the tools to effectively manage their money, you can smoothly you can smoothly move towards a healthier financial state for both you and the kids. So, hard topic to uh, discuss with kids, but one that's probably very important that people do. And then, you know, I'm going to continue on this path here. You know, I do love what I do. 
frequently find myself talking about different ways to help people. And most people don't understand all that encompasses the job. Usually it's an assumption that we're only helping with investments, but it's much more than that. Because of this, I want to dive into what a comprehensive financial planning looks like and what questions you can ask when you're looking for or interviewing potential financial planners. And basically it starts with the plan. You need to plan first. In order to win with money, you need to have a roadmap that gives you the best chance of success. In order to have a plan or a roadmap, you need to first define where it is you want to go, understand your goals and objectives, and you need to know where you're going if you want to give yourself the best chance of success. You're getting there. As basic as this sounds, many prospective clients that I meet with have not put a price on what their destination will cost them. There are three main life phases when it comes to money. I think of them as hire, retire, and expire phases. The hiring is an accumulation phase where you are saving and investing for retirement. You're paying off debt. You're raising a family. You're setting yourself up for retirement. From budgeting to cash flow management and to investments and insurance, there's a lot to consider. The retire phase, the harvesting phase is when you're no longer working or maintaining your lifestyle with the assets that you have accumulated, your investments, your Social Security, your pensions, etc. And the expire phase, or wealth transfer, transfer protection phase, is inevitable for all of us. Usually not fun to talk about, but it encompasses a lot, including wills, powers of attorneys, health care proxies, trusts, life insurance, and more. And while these free phases happen in consecutive order for most, it is important that contingency plans be in place in case tragedy strikes. So I have to ask a question. How do we know or get to know that you and what is our process for helping you achieve your goals? So first of all, we got to talk about cash flow and taxation. Everyone knows that we have to pay our share of taxes, but many do not understand the tax treatment of the different savings and investment accounts. There are many investment vehicles available for use for retirement, including Social Security. Yes, of course, you can pay into that. Your pension, annuities, 401ks, 457 plans, 403Bs, IRAs, brokerage accounts, Roth IRAs, and Roth 401ks. Each account has tax implications upon the contribution or withdrawal. It is important to have a strategy in place, not only to ensure you have enough to live on, but to ensure that you allow yourself the most flexibility and tax efficiency in the accumulation and harvesting phases. There are even considerations to be made that impact the wealth transfer phase. This is one right way or wrong answer, but there are these considerations that need to be discussed and they need to be reviewed. So the question you have to ask your advisor is what is your process to help you understand how taxes might impact your plan? The next piece of the equation are in your investments. This is usually everyone's favorite topic, whether the market's rallying or selling off. It may be fun to discuss the hottest stocks of the water cooler at work, but it isn't the place to construct your portfolio. Money is emotional. Markets are volatile. Therefore, your investment strategy, once again, will depend on your goals and objectives and tolerance for risk. No one can time the market. If you're told otherwise, you better run. The big positive returns happen very quickly and erratically. Therefore, it is important to know what you're invested in, why you're invested in it. And regardless of the market conditions, you have a high level of confidence in your plan succeeding. Staying the course is paramount. Needing for your plan are important because your goals and objectives can change over time. And they'll change if you move from accumulation of assets to distribution of assets. The question you have to ask here is, what is your process and, and what developing and implementing sound investment strategy? And how often is this reviewed? Next one is costs. Costs are always interesting to discuss. You know, our fee-based management, our management fees, we base on flat percentage based on the amount of investment assets under management. This may or this does include financial planning, but the money is being managed under the firm's direction based on your goals and your objectives. Uh, in this case, we act as a fiduciary. We're obligated to act in the client's best interest. The firm makes more money when the client does, so clients and firm are on the same side of the table 
There are no commissions for fund trades, et cetera, in this model. This is the one that we work under. This is what we do with our clients. So anyway, some final thoughts on here. You had a question in 2000, though. You have to ask your advisor. How are you compensated? Are you an independent firm? Final thoughts. There's a lot of misconceptions about what a financial planner truly does. And while it doesn't have such on all the areas of planning, I hopefully provide some detail for you and your financial professional should be looking into in order to develop a plan to help you achieve your goals for life. This has been Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Live here at HMI. Don't forget our Sunday show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. We'll go through all the nice little numbers and what happened with the economy this week. If you have questions for us, it's a call 360-733-400. Thanks and have a great week. I hope you've enjoyed your Thanksgiving holiday. Take care. Be back next week. Thanks for doing that. Voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.